0: Hi, I'm Derek McFadden, proud to be an author, a poet, and a lover of most things pop culture. I am also handicapped, born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. But please note, this podcast is not called Handicapped Writer. It is instead titled Writing While Handicapped, because that's what I do. Join me as we talk with folks in the book world, and this podcast looks at the world of literature from a perspective you haven't seen before. This is Writing While well Handicapped, the third episode. Our guest today is Alex Dolan, the creator of the Patron Saint of Suicides, which is a great podcast, Alex. Uh, glad to have you here. All right. So um, you're in the middle now of season two of, of that uh, podcast. What was season one about, if you want to go back through and kind of orient us for those who, who aren't familiar? Sure,
1: sure. And, and Derek, great to... To talk to you again, it's been a while. Oh yeah. Um, so season one was uh, really a, an adaptation of a book. Um, so mainly, I I write thrillers, and I really loved the audio drama format. Uh, what happened for me is I found myself um, with a I found myself in my car <laughs> for more than I'd ever been, and I you know I'm very much uh, public transit person for most of my life or, or a cyclist. So I found myself in a car and, um, I had a friend who had been doing an audio drama. And at the time I thought, Oh, well, this is, <laughs> this is just a modern version of an old timey radio show, which, yeah. um, I think a lot of people still think that, uh, and it is. And I was so impressed by the craft of what went into it. And I started just listening to these all the time and just realized that um, the level of sophistication of what's happening in audio dramas is so high um, that I was really interested in just getting getting into it. So I took a book called The Patron Saint of Suicides and wanted to adapt that into, into uh, an audio format. Um, and I ended up um, getting a deal with a, a production house called audio media who does amazing work um, and p- helped me bring this to life and essentially the the book itself is about um, it's about a woman who uh, went through a horrible trauma it was a a shooting on a train uh, and then years later she's recovering from it and she has her own ptsd And as a means of recovering from it, she walks the Golden Gate Bridge every night and tries to find somebody that she can convince to not jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. So this becomes a a part-time hobby for her. And that becomes a way for her to to deal with um, what she went through. And the way this becomes a thriller is that, there becomes a, um, in her town, which is San Francisco mm-hmm. and Oakland, California, there are a rash of suicides that happen in the, in the town. And because she's so involved in, in this, she gets pulled into this because someone she knows may be involved. So that becomes a mystery thriller around her story. And really, I wanted to do it because suicide and self-harm is a huge issue that people are afraid to talk about. And I wanted to create a, a way for us to talk about it in a safe way. I, I always feel like fiction is a good way for people to do that. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more palatable. So this is a way for me to talk about something that's very timely and, to- and topical, but in a way that people aren't uh, afraid to shy away from.
0: Yeah, in this day and age, I think it's the perfect time for a show like this to hit. Um, I was very familiar with the book because I read it before it was anything. Right, <laughs> I read right. It, I read, you and I were editing the book when it was still a book. Um, so, <laughs> so I remember that. Um, and then you wrote me and said, I'm turning this into an audio drama. And I was like, that is the perfect place for this for this story i'm a lover of audio dramas i explained that in episode two which just went up uh that i i've always loved old time audio dramas and when i say that yes this sounds like that it's the biggest compliment i can pay it because it's supposed to sound like that and that's that's a great thing the second season is is great because you it's a it's kind of a spin-off. You still have Haven, right? You still have the characters, but you spin it off and you use a folk legend. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, the, uh and going to season one. And, and again, it's funny because we season one really, which is about this book that, that both of us know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's a full arc. It was meant as a standalone book. Yeah. And, I started to think about each season as its own arc. And season one, the there's an there's an arc that's a, around the theme of PTSD and and revenge. Um, and season two, I wanted to take a different theme. And the the first theme, um, our our main character Haven Atomo, mm-hmm. is all about it's all about her processing trauma. Yeah. And and her processing PTSD. Um, and I'll say for the people, it's a lot more exciting than that. <laughs> but yeah, but the yeah. undercurrent, in terms of the character motivation, that's that's what it is. Yes, Season two is really about her coming off of processing the immediate trauma and her coping with um, kind of other issues. And something I wanted to do is that she was in this position of power as the caregiver in season one. As the person who got to, to help people and got to be the person in the driver's seat. Right. I wanted to have her meet her match. And the thing about Haven, the main character, is that she's somebody who, to be able to talk somebody out of hurting themselves, I envisioned a character that had tremendous powers of persuasion. Mm-hmm. And the the characters even I I looked for something that would be an outlet for her in addition to this so she's a stand up comic and she does she does other things because i looked for a personality that would be, make use of those skills of being able to know people and yeah. and be able to have the power to be able to stop somebody from jumping off a bridge the walking sam character is her antithesis mm-hmm. and it's based on an actual folk legend That started in in South Dakota and the legend uh, started in Oglala Sioux country uh, around Rapid City, South Dakota. And what it what it is, is it's a slender man kind of character that um, he whispers in your ear until you feel so awful about yourself that you kill yourself. And I think it speaks to. an epidemic of suicides that's in a Galala Sioux country. And it, I'm, I'm guessing this was sort of a way to, this is a, uh, an extension of, of an epidemic that's happening in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know, one of the few folk legends I, I found that really, it's not only a boogeyman, but it's a boogeyman that does, it doesn't hurt you. It makes you hurt yourself.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting that it, it doesn't come out and do the hurting it, but it, but it encourages that, that's, that's even scarier than, you know, <laughs> that's, that's scarier than some other folk legends that might, that might hurt you if you're not careful. If something can make you hurt yourself, yikes.
1: Yeah, I mean, Walking wow. Sam's, Walking Sam's not doing the heavy lifting on this. Right, so, right. Which it, it's interesting to think, you know, you have a monster in, in the woods but they're not even gonna they're not even gonna give you the courtesy of killing you themselves
0: right um, no, they're yeah they're just gonna be there in some way when you do it like that's <laughs> oh boy yeah so it's it's really interesting i I will say the production values for this, and you you got to know it's so good, so good um but the second season is even even better, and I think that's because you know partly. We've come a little bit out of this pandemic, and so some of the some of the actors are able to talk in the same room uh, this time, as opposed to when we were in the pandemic, they they couldn't and they had to edit it in and all that. But I, I love the second season, the way it's um flowing together. I, I I'm I'm listening as they come out. I think you're on episode four right now as we record this. So
1: I, I we are we we just released it. Um, yeah, episodes. We are, uh, yeah, and, and one comes out a week. Uh, and thank you. Yeah. The, the different, you know, there's a difference between season one and season two, because season yeah. one, it was adapting a book. That's and, the difference. Okay, and yeah. So, yeah. And, and I relied a little bit more on narration, which I do in season two, because I, for me, when I read, when I read, when I listen to audio dramas, I... I love them and there are some audio dramas that have started to be able to do wonderful work without requiring any narration. Right. But when you first started listening, it was a hard thing to do. People hadn't really figured it out. Sure. And for me, having a little narration just kind of puts puts eyes in the room that you don't have because you're listening to everything. So sure. there there are blind spots. And sometimes blind spots can be very effective, but there's still a visual component that you don't get in audio and narration is kind of a cheat to get you there, but we rely on that less. uh, And a part of it is just that we sped up the pacing. Uh, In many cases, like you said, we, we had actors uh, for those who don't know how these things are made, especially in a pandemic. Yeah. No one's in the same room.
0: No, you can't, which as
1: somebody who, um, one of one of my background, um, one of my lives in the background, as I was um, I was a musician. So I, you know I'm used to recording with people in the same studio, and this is the first time I've actually done recording w- in totally remote areas. And the technology's gotten so where it's you can do that so effectively, and you don't need to be occupy the same room. Right. Um, so these are um, people that a recording session could involve me who who is in Oregon and the folks at Audium who are in New York and California and and around the DC area. And then our actors are in Canada and Detroit and a lot of other places. And you'd get, you can create these scenes where me and the co-producers and co-directors are on the line. And then you have the actors doing a scene from two different states, and but you're still able to create
0: yeah.
1: this dynamic where the actors are kind of playing off each other. And that was even more gratifying to see in season two because we were able to push that a little bit from what right. we did in season
0: one. Yeah. It's funny because it, it does make me think of old-time old radio dramas. You know, they're in, they're in the same room or they're making the, the effects in the same room, but the effects that they're making it's, it's like, it's like pulley. They're not actually, or, or it's like fully art. They're not actually, right. you know, like uh, walking down a, a, a gravel road. Uh, who knows what, how they're doing it, but they're doing it. And the, and, and what you said about the technology getting better, it, it it has. I mean, the fact of the matter is 10 years ago, we couldn't have done this. You and I are on zoom. There's no way. <laughs> like, right. There's just no way. So
1: all right. well, you, so, you're bringing up a good point too, yeah. which is I think about, uh, and again, this is a very much a nod to, uh, it's, <laughs> I always want to call it old time radio, but you know, they didn't call it that back then. So the radio- the It was radio new time shows, to them
0: at that time. Old time radio.
1: And you're <laughs> dialing on, on your ham on your radio. Um, but you know, it's made me respect the craft. And I think yeah. about it in terms of, um, you know, if you think about movies from that era, um, a lot of it, movies, music, things like that. When people are starting to figure out how to record things, uh, you know, movies, a lot, a lot of it were just, you pointed a couple cameras and let people do stuff.
0: Right. You know,
1: the idea of actually doing the kind of cinematography that we have now. Um, it, it's not that it wasn't sophisticated, just the technology wasn't there yet. And so you found you know, if you, I appreciate looking at really old movies, because a lot of these things are just, you're getting people who are really, really talented, and you're just trying to figure out how to photo- you know, film them. And the same thing with with music. I mean, you're getting um, old jazz recordings, you know, even like recordings from the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Those guys are insanely talented, but there's no, there isn't the studio technology that we have now. Oh, not at all. And yeah. so that... Yeah, in terms of audio drama, you would get a lot of that stuff was live. And you can still see, uh, as I was becoming enamored of, of the new version of this, I saw a, a really great live performance of this, where you got to see people doing Foley in real time, yeah. the actors yeah. interacting, um, the music happening in real time, sound, other sound effects like, you know, people people playing the theremin. and for those who don't know what a theremin is uh every sci-fi movie you've ever seen from the 50s and 60s you'll you'll recognize the sound
0: it's the weird sounding Uh, instrument
1: it it's it's
0: what you think of as a ufo
1: that's a theremin. that's a theremin. yeah (laughs) yeah and so the what's different now is it's not that the talent has changed because there's such a sophisticated level of talent Right. right And every art form, I mean, people that you're hearing as recording musicians, those guys are insanely talented. So it's not not an indictment of anyone's talent. It's just that what you can do because of the technology and because of everyone that came before is so much different. Um, And that extends to things like audio drama, where we're able to just do more because and leverage the talent people have because the technology has
0: gotten more sophisticated. And do you find that because it's more sophisticated like that, that you are trying to push the envelope more and more, like, can we do this? Can, is, is there, is, are, are there times when you say, I don't know if we can do this, but let's try.
1: Well, there's, I do that more in terms of writing. And I, I've yeah. had a lot of conversations with um, people, including you, yeah, about how the nature of the audience has changed. Right. And you know, when, when someone sees so everyone now is, the, the audience has become more sophisticated so that when we see films or TV or read books, we know what the tropes are. We yes. know, you know, we know, you know, when we're, when we're watching a show, what really impresses me, um, and I'm watching Ozark right now mm-hmm. for people listening, and Ozark's a really good example. It's written in such a clever way that as listeners, you can anticipate what you think the following line would be. And I think a mark of a good writer is it's never that line.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it subverts that line. or some, you. And the thing about the good writer is they make you think that you know exactly what's going to happen, because you've right. seen so much of whatever you're, it is you're watching that you think, "Oh, I've seen this, it's going to be this." And then if they're good, they can say no. I'm going to change that up. And if they're not good, they go. Yeah, that's exactly what you're. Yeah, yeah you're, yeah, you're getting true. exactly what you think you're getting. <laughs>
1: Let's give the people what they want. Yeah.
0: yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, it's just, it's really his best friend. We all know it's going to happen. Let's give it to him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I and I think that's another thing that's happened is that going into it, you have to respect um, people who are listening and and yeah. and reading and realize. To, for people to really get satisfaction out of it, you can't just, you have to innovate in terms of how you write. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I, and I think the really effective writers out there in every medium do that, where people already have a built-in expectation of A causes B, and you know, when they start to realize that that's not gonna how it's
0: gonna pay off, that's the satisfaction people get in the story. Right, yeah, I, uh, and and that's why I, I love foreshadowing something that doesn't actually happen. It's great. Um, because hopefully if you've done the foreshadowing well enough, then, uh, when it doesn't happen, the, the audience goes, Ooh, okay. Um, now the, the opposite of that would be like your Hallmark uh, books, right? Oh, your Hallmark movies. Uh, when you are watching a Hallmark movie and you see the love interests who hate each other at the beginning, because of course they do, right? right. Um, and and usually if it's if it's and, and so usually the female is a single mom, and the one I just recently saw I don't know what it is because I, I don't I don't know why I was watching it, but um, <laughs> but, but uh, the one I saw her her son was in a wheelchair, but he he wasn't like handicapped. He was just in a wheelchair for some reason that I can't remember <laughs> for like, a know,
1: recreation for, a
0: recre- for, 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 for whatever for, for whatever reason and yeah. um they got a dog and I said I was, I'm we're like five minutes in I turned to my girlfriend and I said okay at the end of this movie those two are gonna get married and that kid's gonna walk and she turned to me at the end of the movie and said how did you know that I was like yeah <laughs> I, I, I've been there
1: well, and and that's a that's a certain kind of audience too. I mean, they, yeah,
0: but they know I, what they're getting, and they want that. They right, want that. Right.
1: I mean, you don't want to have you know you know some people you don't want to have the every flavor bean in Harry, Harry Potter. Like you want right. to know that you're having the pina colada, and yeah, I, I used to I joke about the hallmark um, the hallmark formula formula being, you know, you've got a, a hardworking young professional. Yes. And she's, she's really stressed and she needs to go back to her hometown in the country to take mm-hmm. care of one of her family members. And then there's a slick, perfect guy on paper that she's, she's in love with, but she's not really in love with. But that's her fiance. And she goes to, to her hometown and she, you know, sees this rough and tumble guy that she used to go to school with. And she kind of hates him, like you said. <laughs> but you know right. the guy's got a heart of gold. And then, you know, it realizes that she questions all the values she had in leaving her hometown and, and prioritizing her, her job and professional life over, you know, what really matters in life, which is really right. love and a, and a comfortable family. And then she realizes that toward the end, that really she should never have left home and that the person that has the heart of gold is really the person she ended up with. Now, that is something that people would want. Yes. As a thriller writer, I would have that end in some sort of bloodbath.
0: Well, yes. Um, don't, don't, here's the thing. When Hallmark makes a thriller, we're all out of business. That's, <laughs> right. that's just, at that point, we all just go, okay, at this point, the robots are writing the books, and I don't know what just happened.
1: So yeah, You know, it's a good example. There are different audiences, and there's, you know, for people that want that Hallmark formula, Yeah, who am I to judge? Yeah, it makes, you know, somebody wants that, so... Um, yeah. but for people that would listen to and, and read the stuff that, that you write, that resonates with me, right. It is that what, what interests me a lot is really the complexity of, of interpersonal dynamics now. And I think one of the things that I explore a lot in uh, a lot of my writing, as you know, because you've read a lot of it. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's something that I have thought a lot about, for a while, but, but really um, since the Cosby story broke, mm-hmm. um, or I should say the Cosby sports story broke mainstream because it had been in development for decades. Everybody kind of knew. Yeah, but, but yeah, let, let's not go there. Yeah,
0: But, but we're gonna, when it really yeah.
1: came out, everyone talked about, well, was this the face of Cosby all, all along? And do we just get him to take off his mask? Yeah. And, and I think what, what people are realizing is that you're not just one or the other you are mm-hmm. everything. Um, and actually to use a more ro- modern example, um, the movie, Promising Young Woman, who was, yes. uh, w- which was a very polarizing movie for people. Um, I enjoyed because I I didn't think that movie was for, intended for, I thought that movie was written for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> for for a white guy who are not just a white guy, but for a a man who considers himself the good guy. And 99.99% of the time, that person is the good guy until that one moment where they ruin someone's life forever. Yeah. And I think that you, I think the message is it's not just a good or a bad person. It's both, but it doesn't mean you can't do something horrible. And a lot of people are afraid of that because it makes them worry that someone isn't good or someone isn't bad. So what does that mean about them? Um, but for me, it becomes a very empowering concept because it means that when we're all faced with something like that, in that moment of decision, we have the choice to be the better person. Yes, we do. And I think that's a good message for us to have. And Promising Young Woman was a good example. The, I think the genius of that is all the men in that movie were cast from like the dream heartthrob, nice guys from you know like Adam Brody and like people that were you know dream people that people would love to be with, and main and they were except for that point except where for, they mm-hmm. ruined someone's life. Yeah, um, and I think that that's something that I play around with, and that what I gravitate to in my stories are stories that really explore
0: that complexity of human dynamic. It's really interesting because I love to read stories like you write, but I can't write them because they scare the hell out of me. But you read them. Uh, but I read them. And I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> the difference, I think, uh, uh, is, a, is a visceral one as a writer. I can, I can if, At a certain point, if I am too scared, I can put the book down and say, I am going to sleep now and I'll finish this later. But as a writer, I have to finish what I'm writing, and and sometimes that means me going through uh, my own stuff. And yeah, sometimes as a writer, we want to do that, and sometimes we don't. Like yeah, I, I mean, you read my book before anybody read my book, so you know what my book's about.
1: Yes, I do. Not,
0: not really, not really a thriller. Not known. No, for, but still uh, a
1: wonderful book that everyone listening should read.
0: But oh thank you. But yeah. but see I know what genre I write in. You know right. what genre you write in. Now the key, the key I think is we have to read authors who know their genres. Because when I read when I read when I read Alex or when I listen to something Alex creates, I know I'm in good hands. I know that he <laughs> I I know that he's got this handled. It's not, it's, it might not end the way I think it's going to, unless I've read his book because I edited it. But it might not, you know, it might not end the way that, that I think it's going to, but it's going to end satisfactorily. And it's going to end in a way I'm going, that I didn't expect, but I loved. So if if that makes sense. That does. And, And thank you. Yeah. It's, and I think that's the mark of a, of a good, of a good writer. And especially one that can, you know, i don't know it's it's one of those things as a writer we all look we all want to break out as as writers or as podcasters we we all we all hope that this is the one this is the one that's going to get it but really what we're really hoping for is that one reader or that one listener who listens to our stuff and say, or reads our stuff and says that right there was what i needed to hear right now and I think
1: the world is is full of those those stories. And I, I part of part of what I, I love about the kind of subject matter I write about is that so my background is I come from a family of artists. And I come yeah. from both my parents are artists, and my father was an abstract expressionist. And he comes from the kind of the post-war school of of modern art. Yeah. And Growing up with that part of my understanding of it is that part of the function of that art was really to push people's buttons and to get people to think about things in a different way. Okay. And I think that is a value of, of art. I, yeah, I typically like to write about subject matter that pushes people out of their comfort zones, because I think that is an important thing. And one of the, the, it's interesting to see the feedback that we get on the show. I typically don't read reviews <laughs> but they've been mostly positive but the people that have issue with it have issue with the subject matter and there are a lot of people that have very strong feelings against any talk of self-harm and they that's their purview right um but it's it's interesting they don't I was thinking about this other day the other day and somebody had reached out to me and said You know, there's no room for in literature or entertainment for um, for suicide or self harm. And I was thinking, well, that person has apparently never read the (sighs) "To be or not to be" soliloquy from Hamlet.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Okay, we're we're running up against the clock here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Because because I. I just like talking to you, but, uh, let me, let me just say writing while well handicapped is a podcast totally owned by the authors on the air global radio network. Uh, okay. So if people want to get in touch with you, which they should, uh, how do they do that online? How do they find the podcast? All that.
1: Oh yeah. And, and I would welcome people too. I, I like talking to people. So the show's main site is suicidesaints.com spelled like it sounds suicidesaints.com. If you go to any platform that you would normally use for podcasts, most people are using Spotify or Apple podcasts. It is the patron saint of suicides. Again, the patron saint of suicides. And if you want to reach uh, me directly, I'm at alexdolan.com. And again, that's alexdolan.com.
0: And uh, I'll just say, Alex was my first podcast I ever did. He had a podcast on this network called Thrill Seekers. And he was the very first podcast I ever did. We talked about editing. Uh, so earlier on when he said, uh, you know, thanks for talking to me and it's been a while. That's what he meant. I didn't get into it because I wanted to get right into the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we, he and I talk because we're authors uh, and we like each other. And yeah. also, he, he, um, I want to say, you did a review for my book when it was still in galleys, and it was the nicest review I've ever gotten from anyone. So thank you. All You're right. welcome. So appreciate Alex for coming on, and we'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye, everybody.